Worship is wonderful, isn't it? And I don't want us to step out of the sweetness of that. Um, as you hear me speaking for a bit, I, I just want you to keep enjoying the shower of God's love on you this morning. Okay? Please don't switch the shower off. <laughs> we can literally live under a shower of his love pouring down on us. And we don't have to switch it off ever. It's not just when we are in worship singing to him that his love is coming to us. His love is constantly being poured out, continually being poured out over each one of us. And I don't want to rush through a load of Bible verses this morning and you guys then miss out on the shower that God has for you of his love. Okay, can I just pray for us? Holy Spirit, we just want to step back into the shower. We just want to stay under the deluge of your love. Jesus, we love you so, so much. But Jesus, thank you that you love us, that you loved us first, that you turned on the share at your end first. It's flooded us. It's flooded over us. Jesus, I just pray that we would continue to receive from you right now, that we would continue to receive it, continue to embrace us, just felt like there's free hugs for people in this room this morning from the Father. Just wants to embrace you. He just wants you to know his love. He doesn't want you to go through the motions. The fullness of life is life knowing his love. <laughs> knowing your relationship with him. Just keep receiving. As I speak, just keep receiving. Okay, amen. Um, a few weeks ago, I, I um, did a, a, a brought a message on Colossians three, and uh, in truth, we didn't have a lot of time, and so I rushed through the material. And uh, um, one or two people afterwards said, "Hey, it'd be great just to take a bit more time over those verses." So uh, I thought, "Okay, let's do that." So rather than rush on with another another message, I just wanted to sort of press the pause button and, and stay on these verses this morning. Is that okay? So we're going to um, revisit these verses in Colossians. This is Colossians three. 1 to kind of 14-ish, but we'll see, we'll see where we get to. Um, I, uh, I had a flip chart last time, do you remember? Um, my, my skills with technology are improving gradually, and I impressed myself this week by making a slide. I even managed to do little doodles and then attach them to this. I don't know quite how I did it, but it, Rach, it worked. So thank you. Um, <laughs> and um, uh, so hopefully you can see that a bit more. I'm sorry if I'm in the way from that, you guys, um, but you can just move around me if that's helpful. So we're kind of going to navigate our way through this this morning. But if, you, if you're looking at this as if this is you back in a classroom and this is dry and boring and you're being taught, then please just um, don't think that. <laughs> Okay, the, I, I want your heart to be impacted by what we talk about, by the reality of what we're going to talk about in these verses. Because as I said last time, these verses change everything, change your life. Um, okay, 
Um, Colossians 3 then starts off with these two verses. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. You know, that's what we've done this morning, isn't it, in our worship? We've just set our hearts. We've just given our hearts afresh to Jesus. That's why we come together as a group of people, isn't it? You know, that's what I love about this church. Our motivation, our reason for being here is just to pour out our love on Jesus. It's just to abandon ourselves to him again. Isn't that good? Aren't you pleased that you're in a church where that is the primary reason for getting together? There are other reasons, aren't there? But that is the primary reason. You know, sometimes we we talk about coming together and we talk a lot about encounter and encountering him and coming and experiencing his love. But I, I was just thinking about what would it be like for us to come not with a mind of what are we going to get? Because the reality is you've already received everything that you could possibly need to receive, haven't you, at the cross? And part of the reason that we come is just because we can pour out our love and our appreciation and our gratitude to him with thankful hearts. Whether he shows up or not. <laughs> like I know he's here, so you know I'm not messing with the theology. He's here, he's all around us, he takes up all this space, I get that. But we don't come because we're trying to get something from him. This isn't like a cash machine. You know, you stick your card in, you get the money out. This, this is about our thankful hearts. And we have an opportunity this morning to come week after week just to say, Jesus, thank you. I love you. I love you. And then as we do that, actually, he does show up, doesn't he? He does show up because the veil has been torn in two. And so heaven is now opened and we now have access to the Father. He's raised us up, hasn't he, and seated us with himself. So, of course, the communion between us happens. But I just want you to know that even if it didn't, I'd still want to come. And I felt Jesus say, would you come the following week if it was the same? And I thought, yeah, I would. I'd keep coming. And then what about a year? Would you keep coming year after year? Would that be enough? Was the cross enough? (laughs) Or do you need the next fixed? And um, it's enough, isn't it? The cross, and it's really good to be reminded that we are alive in him. He has dealt with sin and death and our separation from him. And that is enough to just thank him forever. Now, of course, we love the encounter. (laughs) And actually he's promised that we'll always get the encounter because he's promised he'll always be with us. And so we do come expectant of the encounter and that's great and that's right and we should. Um, Anyway, so we start off with, since then you have been raised with Christ. Um, You know, this presupposes two things. This presupposes that your old you, that the old you has died and was buried that's why we have our jolly little gravestone, our little tombstone. There was a death <laughs> and there was a burial. You know, that's why baptism is such a significant thing. 
Because your death, I, I, my, um, we had our nieces come and um, um, spend a couple of days with us this week. And my youngest niece, she came to me and she just wanted to pull me aside and say, hey, I wanted to let you know something. Um, I became a Christian um, last month. And uh, it, it was such a moving thing that, that she would want to just grab me and just, just express that that's what had happened for her. That she'd been in an, a youth meeting in her church and just overwhelmed with God's love for her. And she just had to respond. And, um, and it's funny, isn't it? Because with our children, we, we have children that are growing up in a Christian environment, Christian families in church. But their, their, their moments of connection with God, those, those significant moments with, with, for them, are important, aren't they? And uh, there, there, there's been a, a, a spiritual death. Uh, there's been a death. There was a spiritual death and then a resurrection that took place for each one of us. And um, so there's an old you that had to die off. And, um, and then there had to be a resurrection too. <laughs> and um, uh, as I said, baptism facilitates it. Um, if you've not been baptised and you're interested to know, um, we're going to have a baptism hopefully in the summer. Um, we've got someone who's come and said that they want to get baptised, which is great. If there's others that want to do that, please just let us know. We love baptising people. Um, it's a really important deal, actually. <laughs> really significant because it helps us as individuals to recognise that we have been buried, that the old us has died, has been done away with. Jesus put it in place so that we could see that connection actually with his own death and his own burial, that we get in that weird mystery type thing to actually almost be in the tomb. And then Jesus was raised, wasn't he? And on the third day he was raised and the tomb was burst open. And when someone comes up out of the water, there is a resurrection that goes on that takes place about the newness of who we are. And it's powerful, powerful stuff. And it's something in your spirit that God wants to do with each one of us. So um, that's what's going on um, in that. And it does presuppose that something died. And the truth is that, as I said last time, there, everything that we were as a result of the fall, everything that we were in Adam was killed off. And, and we are raised to a newness of life. And it's not just the old you cleaned up, is it? It's a brand new you. It's a brand new you. And I was, I was listening to a song in the week. Leo and I were at home. There was a, a Bethel track called um, Seas of Crimson. And I just had the image of a sea of crimson, a sea of blood. And I just thought, that's a lot of blood. And I just felt Jesus say, yeah, there's, there was more than enough blood. Do you know there's more than enough blood to cover every sin? Every sin. Every bit of separation, everything that happened as a result of the fall, every last bit of it was submerged, buried in that sea of crimson. And whether you think that you're worthy of a new life or not, the old you (laughs) was buried. And Jesus raised you. And you get newness of life. All of the past dealt with. Every last bit dealt with. It's amazing, isn't it? And so you get to be this guy right here. 
and you get to be stuck to this guy right here. Because his resurrection is now our resurrection. And that's why we sing our songs of love. If you're not a Christian here this morning, and you, you wonder, why, what is this about love? What, what is all this love that people are singing about? You won't know what it is until you've experienced that. <laughs> and what Jesus wants to do is to bring you into a spiritual birth. There was this moment where Jesus was um, on the earth and one of the Pharisees, one of the religious guys, wanted to come and see him because he noticed that there was something different about this guy, that, this, that love so encapsulated Jesus. And so this Pharisee guy came in the middle of the night, Nicodemus came in the middle of the night to find Jesus and say, what on earth is this all about? What is this love all about? I don't get it. I don't understand it. And Jesus said, you won't understand it because you've got to be born again. This has got to take place. There has to be a being born of the Spirit. And when that happens, when the spiritual part of us is awakened for the first time, all the love that God has for us suddenly floods in and makes sense. And of course our response to that is to want to pour love back. That's what worship is. It's the response, isn't it? It's the heart response of, oh, I'm a new creation. Um, I want to encourage you, if you don't know Jesus, please, please grab someone who, who you know who's here this morning and say, what is this about? <laughs> Lead me to Jesus. Yeah? Um, okay so in light of that set your hearts on things above Um, make him the primary place of your affection your intimacy your contentment just be content in him Um, number two set your minds on things above Um, we talked about that last time do you know what we think about is very very important um this, it says in these, in these verses that, that this happened, but then there is a continual renewal that takes place. It's not that this happens on day one and suddenly everything about who we are and how we live suddenly just slots into place and we handle every situation perfectly, we react perfectly to everybody. Uh, you know, the, the, these, these things, the, the compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, the love, the forgiveness, all of that stuff, it's not that that stuff all suddenly is present every single moment. What happens is that there is a continual renewal that is going on continue all the time all the time our spirit is being renewed all the time now this is good news okay this takes all the pressure off you're not under pressure to have to be something that you're not you don't under pressure to have to react perfectly in every situation okay just let that pressure fall away What we are is free to set our hearts on things above, set our hearts on Jesus, and to recognize his love for us. And as we do that, we recognize that he has already clothed us in those things. And so then what happens is as we approach the daily stuff of life, 
the continual renewal is taking place. It's a constant thing. It's a constant flow. And so the situations that we find ourselves in, we react to slightly differently to yesterday because there's a bit of renewal that's taking place today because there's another bit of me that I've decided to put to death, to flee from, to recognise that actually Christ has already put it to death. And so I walk ever increasingly in the truth of who he says I am. But it's a natural thing. It's a walking with him thing. It's not a pressured thing. Does that make sense? Um, So what we think about is really important. If we fill our minds with things that are not of him... I'll describe that bit. I'm going to talk about that bit in a minute in terms of how we handle sin because that's more helpful. Um, This verse in Romans, I used this last week, do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As we approach the daily stuff of life, we can literally find ourselves allowing him to flow through us and our approach to it changes. There's a transformation that is going on as our mind is attuned to the things of heaven. Our focus is on him. So let's just take the prayer we just made for the people looking for jobs. Yeah, Right now, we have a choice, don't we? We can either, in our own strength, I can be looking for a job. And I can do all the stuff that the earth can tell me to do. I can go on all the websites. I can fill out all the application forms. I can do all of that stuff, okay? All in human strength, human wisdom. I can tell as many people as possible. I can put it out there on social media, all the rest of it. I'm looking for a job. Tell all my friends, family, everybody. I can do all that stuff. But if I set my mind on things above, actually what I discover is what Etty just brought. That actually... Because I'm plugged into heaven, because I have access to the things of heaven, because actually I realise my dad is really, really good, and he goes ahead of me, making my path straight, actually what I do is I submit my way to him. Now that's not to say I don't do all the earthly stuff as well, but actually I say, Jesus, I'm trusting you, because I thank you that I'm not on my own in this. I thank you that you have got the perfect job for me. You are the, the, the Lord of my next step. You're the Lord of my next job. You're the Lord of the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And I'm trusting you that there will be the next step. And as we set our minds on that stuff, you know what happens? Peace comes. Because the panic goes out. Doesn't it? You know that horrible panicky, oh, what do we do, what do we do, what do we do? Oh. That just ebbs away. Because what you see is Jesus. And you realise he's way bigger than your employment or unemployment status. And not only that, he has all of the resources to lead you into the right thing, the right situation. And he's promised, I'm going to provide for you anyway. I'm going to provide for you. Yeah? Okay. Um, One of the things that really helps is brainwashing. It's really important. You know, part of our worship, part of our worship is actually... I thought it was going to wash my brain for a minute or something. Um, um, Yeah, part of spending time in the presence of God is allowing him to wash over us. Allow his presence to wash over us. Okay, I know there's jokes about, you know, religion and brainwashing and all that kind of stuff. It's... 
it's really important to allow him to transform our minds. And the best way to do that is to take your brain out every now and again in his presence and just wash the rubbish off, wash the dirt off, wash the lies off that say fear is something that you have to live with. Just wash it off. You don't need it. So just wash it off in his river. And he'll wash it clean. And then you realise, huh, I don't think like that anymore. And literally our thinking changes. It's really simple. It just changes because we allow him to knock off. And and what happens is, when you allow him to wash your brain, wash what you think about, wash your mind, the stuff that we don't need in our minds becomes really obvious. You know, like when you soak something that's dirty, actually the dirt starts to lift off. And you go, oh yeah, that is dirt, isn't it? That's not actually integral to the thing. That's just dirt. It just starts to come away. And then what you're left with, shiny thing. Gleamy thing. Thing that holds on to truth in a completely different way. Yeah? Good, isn't it? Oh, yes. Very good. Right, okay. Let's just move on. Uh, Let's get down to this because I want to do some practical stuff on how we handle sin. So, verse uh, 5 to 9. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life that you once lived, but now you must rid, also rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Okay, so we've got our cheerful list on this side of all this stuff. And I've put at the top, live as one who has died to these things. Because when it says put to death... Actually, what it really means is recognise that these things have already been dealt with at the cross. Therefore, they deserve to be on this side of the line, in the ground, buried, dead. So, there's a couple of thoughts around this. Um, Because sin is a big problem, isn't it? So, even though we're over here, if we're really honest... This stuff is still tempting, isn't it? Do we just need to explain some of these? Sexual immorality, I mentioned last week. Anything, any sexual relationship that is not an appropriate, legitimate relationship, i.e. man-woman in marriage. Yeah? Clear? Okay. So, impurity... You can read that as being linked to sexual immorality. But what about any other impurity? What about anything that came about because of the fall? So what about sickness? Because we talk about impurities in the body, don't we? As, you know, infections and, and stuff like that. So what about dying to disease and sickness? Um, Evil desires, um, lust, I guess you know what lust is. Um, Evil desires, uh, I I was reading one of the commentaries and it linked that to um, stuff like magic. So exploring life using power that doesn't come from God. Yeah? Um, And then greed, which leads to idolatry, so basically making a god out of money, stuff like that. Okay? 
Man, it's gone quiet in here. Holy moly. This stuff, what I was saying last week, the reason why this stuff, it's not just that God doesn't like it. It's not just that he would really rather we didn't. It's because actually it's anti-relationship. All of these things are anti-relationship. Either anti-relationship with God or anti-relationship with one another. Difficult for us to be in unity if actually there's loads of angry people around being angry with each other. Um, Where people are malicious with one another, where there is slander, um, where we're lying to each other. It's really difficult to be a close, intimate, united group of people who reflect the Trinity, which is what we are able to do as a group of people when we're in unity, isn't it? That stuff just, if that stuff's in our, in our environment, it just wrecks it. And we want to guard the environment that we have, don't we? Because what's on offer is us being able to reveal the glory of God. And like I was saying with the brainwashing thing, actually we need to wash us too <laughs> in terms of how we are as a group of people. Because any of this stuff can then float off. It can float to the surface. We can just start to see, oh yeah, there is that unresolved conflict that we just, we just tolerate it. There is that little, you know, that little issue that I had with that person and I never resolved it properly. And that's just a little bit of dirt in, in the thing, you know? And it just wants to come off. It just, it has to come off. And so these things are anti-relational. Um, and actually there's a real link between sin and death. Because you follow any of these things through to their conclusion and it's death. That's the extreme, isn't it? That was what Jesus was talking about when um, the guys came to him and said, well, look, what about you know, the law? The law says, do this, you know, forgiveness, I forgive seven times, blah, 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 blah. And Jesus is like, no, 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 you're completely missing the point. And so these things will lead to death if we don't pursue the opposite. Um, okay, so... Question, how do we deal with sinful thoughts and behaviour? Because this stuff's still tempting, yeah? Agreed? Sometimes on your bad day? Not today, not this morning. Because we're all in church, aren't we, with our church faces on? But sometimes these things, still a little tempting. So, what do we do? I've got four-step guide. Four-step guide to living a sin-free life. Okay. Number one we've already talked about is verse two. Set your hearts and minds on the things above and don't get distracted. Just don't let other stuff rob you. Um, I think that um, one of the things that I've found, my personal experience of handling sin and temptation, okay, don't pick a fight with the sin don't stand in front of the temptation and try not to get involved with it just don't do that the best thing to do is to leave the temptation just leave the situation alone okay it's over there get as much distance between you and the temptation as possible okay the best way to do that is this, to set your heart and your mind on the things above. 
Why? Because what it does is it focuses your attention on who you are rather than on who you're not. Or rather, it focuses your attention on what you should be doing rather than focusing your attention on what you could be doing. Do you see what I mean? It's better to set your it's better to be content in the right things so that as as you are content, as you are well fed, the temptation for the other stuff isn't there anymore. Okay, let's have a practical example. You're at home. Okay? Like me, you like biscuits. Okay? Just assume that you do. If you don't like biscuits, that's fine. I like biscuits, okay? So I'm feeling hungry, okay? Temptation to eat biscuits goes up. Okay? Now I know bananas are better for me than biscuits. So the best thing I can do is not stand by the biscuit tin going, I'm not going to have one of you. I'm not even going to take the lid off. In fact, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the lid off and have a look, but I'm not going to have one. I'm going to hold out till lunch. What happens? I don't hold out till lunch. I give in. Because the lid comes off, and that smell. And then I'm in. I'm in the biscuit barrel. Now... Other option is this, right? We've got biscuit tin on one side of the kitchen, fruit bowl on the other, haven't we? Okay, so this is what we do, right? You're standing there. And you know you're tempted to go for the biscuits. I simply go this way. It's that simple. And I set my heart on how much I love bananas. (laughs) I love (laughs) bananas. Now... Now, here's the thing, okay? It falls down completely because we all know that biscuits taste nicer than bananas. But I put it to you that Jesus tastes much better than any sin you could ever, ever get involved with. And if you haven't yet tasted Jesus to taste him better than the other stuff, then you haven't tasted him yet. And come and taste him. Because he's really good. Really good. So that's number one. Set your heart on him. Just be content with him. Um, Number two, put the other stuff to death. So that verse five, put to death, therefore, that list of things. Put those things to death. You know what the best thing to do is? This stuff, in this list... Just play dead with it, okay? If, if you're tempted to sin, right, just go, oh, oh. <laughs> now, what does a dead person do? They can't engage with the sin. All that stuff on the list requires action. It requires activity, yeah? If you just go like this, I can't, I can't get angry, I can't take part in sexual immorality, I can't lust, I can't see anything because I'm dead. Just be dead to it. Just don't. If you're engaging with it, then you're bringing it back to life. It's like you're grave digging. It's like you're going over to the grave. It's gone off. You're going over to the grave and you're digging it up. When Jesus put it in the ground. Why be a grave digger? It's crazy, but we do it, don't we? We're tempted to go and just, oh, just dig that up, just have a little. No, don't do that. Leave it in the ground to decompose and rot and be gone forever. 
Okay? Play dead with it. Just don't engage. If you have any action, because sin always requires an action. And so just don't, don't get involved. Um, uh, I just laid on the floor in my preach. <laughs> oh dear. Um, My word, is that the time? I'm on point number two, and then we've got all the good stuff. See, this is what happened last time. I can't do the same Bible verses again for a third preach, can I? (laughs) Shall we just do these last two and then call it a day? Be thankful. This is number three. Be thankful. This is how to avoid sin and temptation, is be thankful with who you are that you are being renewed into your Father's image. And verse 10 says, You have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Did you know that you are beginning to look like your dad? And I don't mean your earthly dad. Yeah, it's all right, Mark Fletcher. (laughs) That wasn't on the tape, was it? Um... You are beginning to look like your dad. In fact, not just beginning, you are continually looking like more and more and more like your heavenly father. Can you just turn to the person next to you and say, cool, you don't have to look like your dad. If we don't believe that, we have a problem. We really have a problem if we don't believe that. We are more and more um, revealing his image to one another. The more that we cultivate a life together of what it is to be in him, with him, enjoying the freedom that comes from this new life. Be thankful for what you have. Be totally satisfied in him. Enjoy your hiddenness in Christ. Cultivate relationship with him, thankfulness. Um, It says at the end of the passage, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. At the end it says, sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Just be thankful. Just be thankful. When temptation and sin come knocking at your door, just walk away from it, put your favourite song on and just declare. Turn to your favourite psalm and just declare. Let your heart be absolutely engulfed with gratitude that you're in him. Get lost in it. Lose track of time like I do when I preach. Just lose track of it. Just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. And you know what? You'll leave. The, The sin will be so far away. It'll be so far away. You'll just have got caught up in something completely different. Absolutely liberating. The last one is be together. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Members of one body. We are one body. You know the best way to combat sin problem? Be together. Tell somebody about it. Don't get all, you know, oh, I'm embarrassed. 
Um, everybody in this room has all sinned at some point. Haven't they? We've, we all do. We all have done. And probably all pretty similar stuff. I don't think there's anything that's going to be that shocking. In any, in, you know, we're all a, a fairly normal bunch of people with normal stuff going on. But we are called to be amazing because we are new creations. And we are new creations. And therefore we are already amazing and we are becoming more amazing. We are already glorious and we are going on to more of it. And the best way to go on to the more of it is to be, the, be with each other. Because you can make agreements together to walk away from stuff. You can make agreements to have in the forefront of your mind your new creation reality rather than who you were. We can be accountable to how much we are focused on our new creation identity. Because this stuff is way more exciting. Is way more exciting. And I want to just encourage you, it is so good to be in this environment and to be able to see compassion at work in this church. When we have some folk come out the front who need praying for, need a job, need a breakthrough, I can feel the rush of emotion, of love for one another that rises here. And it's really good. That being able to pour, pour courage into one another is really good. Um, kindness. You know, we, it's one of the things, again and again with our kids, is we're recognising when they're kind. When they're kind. Because it's so anti the way things are at school for them. And so just encouraging each other. You, you are a kind group of people. Do you know that? Kindness flows out. Um, Humility, gentleness, patience. You guys are really patient with me. Um, uh, forgiveness. I think this is another one. Time and time again, I've had awkward conversations with people in the church where forgiveness is needed. And you know what happens? We forgive one another. Forgiveness takes place between each other. It's really good. Really, really good. Um, let's keep going, shall we? Uh, but not with the preach, because we are really out of time, and I've got some big apologising to do to our children's workers. Um, can we just pray? Um, Jesus, I want to thank you that you are the guy that rose. Jesus, I want to thank you that your resurrection happened. Jesus, just as um, Paul read out in the worship this morning that you're the image of the invisible God, you came. That the fullness of, of God dwelled in you. Everything, the beginning and the end, everything dwelt in you. And you rose. And your resurrection means that I have risen too because you didn't let go of my hand at the cross. Thank you, Jesus, that we have been resurrected with you and we are now new creations in Christ. We are new people. Jesus, I just pray that your love for us would wreck us again. That there was more than enough blood to deal with every single bit of sin and death and separation from God. There was more than enough. 
we can be confident that your sacrifice was enough. And Jesus, we now stand in victory because of your victory. And Lord, I want to thank you that you've called us to a life of faith and adventure. Where every single moment of every single day is an opportunity for us to simply reveal you and your glory. And as we do that, our true selves is revealed. The who we really are is revealed to the people around us. And Jesus, I thank you that there's so much fun and so much joy to be had in this life now. Thank you this isn't about rule keeping. This is about being an adventurer. Thank you this is about being a lover. This is about being loved. This is about getting to love others. And Lord, we're so grateful. We're so grateful for what you've done. We're so grateful for what you're doing in this group of people, that we as a family are being bound together in love. Lord, we have these moments where we see it. Lord, half the time we don't see what you're doing, but Lord, you're doing so much amongst us, leading us ever more into more freedom, unity together, where peace just reigns in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.